I guess my advice would be to utilize the people who work for your platform. So, you know, have someone at Meta who can advocate for you and tell you when things change. Have someone at Shopify who gives you the weekly or biweekly reports of what's coming in the pipeline, new apps or new updates, things like that, because then you're not surprised when things happen. You know about it ahead of time and you can plan into it. Stephanie Gottlieb is the founder of Stephanie Gottlieb Fine Jewelry, and she's on a mission to inspire her customers to embrace their uniqueness, creativity, and style through jewelry. With a decade of experience and an eye for exquisite design, Stephanie has built a cult following through her vibrant social media presence and influencer partnerships. She believes that jewelry is not something that is just worn based on where you are going, but rather how it makes you feel when you wear it. Coming up, the tactics Stephanie used on Instagram to grow her business. Her recommendations on where you should be spending for the best ROI. You'll learn how Stephanie built her cult following. And finally, she shares the secrets behind successful hiring. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. Stephanie, I am so excited to sit down with you this afternoon and hear all about your entrepreneurship journey and story. And I actually think you are the first other Stephanie we've ever had on the podcast. I can't remember doing an episode with another Steph and Steph. Stephanie's episode. Welcome. (laughs) Yes, I love it. I love it. Actually, what's your middle name? It's a long one, Alexandra. Okay, we don't say middle name. I'm, I'm Stephanie Jill. So yeah, that, that is a very long name. Amazing. A lot. I would love to know, did you always know when you were growing up that you wanted to have your own business one day? Absolutely not. And even when I was starting my own business, I didn't know that I wanted to have my own business. I worked for someone else for five years and I loved my experience working for this family. It was a family-run Israeli diamond company. And so that was really my only work experience aside from internships that I had had in college. And I learned so much because it was a small business and they let me do so many different things and touch so many areas of the business. But what I learned throughout that five years working in this industry specifically is that the jewelry industry is very one level. So you either run the company or you work for them forever and do a lot of the same things. There's not all that much movement for growth. And I think that's more specific to the 47th Street kind of diamond district business, not necessarily the more fashion forward e-com business that this has now evolved into. But when I left, I felt like I would just be doing the same thing for a different boss. And I loved where I was and I loved the people I was working with and for. I just felt like there wasn't all that much room for growth. So that's what drove me to say, okay, if you want to do something big, if you want to do it in your own way and have more ownership of the business that you're driving, you have to do it for yourself. So this really did fall in my lap in some ways. It's taken a lot of turns that I never imagined it would, but being a business owner was not something I set out to do. And actually it's sort of my least favorite part of what I do, but 
kind of nature of the beast that, you know, if you want to be the decision maker, you have to run the place. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. When you set out to start your own business, did you start doing it on the side while you were still working for the other company? No, I left and I took a couple months to figure out what my next steps were. I interviewed with a few other companies. I did, you know, sort of day roles where I would go and help out with a trade show or a trunk show to see if I could get into the swing of a new company doing that same thing that I was doing. What were you doing at that company? I was managing their fine jewelry department but also running all trunk shows, trade shows, production, sales. So I really did get to feel a lot of different parts of the business. And that's what gave me the groundwork to build my own. But when I left, I knew it was time to just try something new. And I spent the next two to three months figuring out what that was going to look like. You know, how do I build a website? What is my logo going to look like? It took me a month to really even decide what to call the business. And of course I landed on my name, which is not all that exciting, but nothing really felt right. And so that's where I landed. And I had just gotten married earlier that year. So I figured if nothing else, this is the best way to remember my new name is Stephanie Gottlieb, (laughs) not Stephanie Lusky. I've left Lusky behind. My husband was really excited when I chose the business name. My grandfather was not so excited. That's so funny. That took time to really decide where I was going to take this and what my first steps were going to be. And then there's all these things that nobody knows about starting a business, Mm -hmm. like you know, are you going to be a sole proprietorship or an LLC? And learning all of that took some time. How did you figure all of that out and find those resources? And what year was that when you first started the business? So that was 2013. Okay. And a lot of this, I just learned as I went. So I would have conversations about how to do X, Y, and Z, whether it was start a website or what platform I should be using and you know, how to get a a resale number and all of the pieces were kind of, it was putting the dots together to say, okay, if you want a resale number, then we need you to be a legal business entity. And okay, now what do I do to be a legal business entity? Speaking with lawyers, speaking with other entrepreneurs and figuring out all of those steps. That's really difficult, by the way. You know, I, I did not take any business classes. I had no experience in any of this. So you know, I think some people say like, or ask, how did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? And the answer is that I didn't really choose this, but the very motions of building a business make you an entrepreneur. You have to have those skills to just learn and figure things out as you're building it, unless you've got a partner who can kind of carry you through those moments. So A lot of it was trial and error and reading and speaking to other people and just figuring out what all those pieces were that I had to put together. No, absolutely. It sounds so similar to myself and Courtney when we first started. Like we knew we wanted to create these awesome social media strategies for companies, but we didn't know about, you know, setting up your LLC and making sure you have a great accountant and figuring out all of this backend stuff. And you just start figuring it out as you go. But it's one of the reasons why we created our entrepreneurially community because they're like, wait a second, everyone has all of these same questions and we can help everyone do it a lot 
faster and more efficiently and have that community support that 10 years ago, like we all wish we had that 10 years ago. And I feel like it's it's never been easier now to start a business. There's just so many more resources and tools and solutions that didn't exist 10 years ago that now it's like you can literally get your business set up in a day when it might have taken you three months to a year to do all of the things back in, you know, 2010 and 2013. 100%. It's like, you know, it took me six months to legally change my name because of all the paperwork you have to do with that. And that was part of the reason I named the business Stephanie Gottlieb. Now there's what a service that you just kind of fill out one form and they take care of it for you. So yes, I think that some of us have paved the way for others in the same way that, you know, I can thank many of my mentors for paving the way for me. But yeah, you kind of have to roll with it. What else do you know now that you wish you knew on day one when you first started your business? You know, I think I knew this in the back of my head and people told me this over and over, but it didn't really resonate until I was in it. And a couple of years into it was that you need to spend money to make money. And so from day one, I was really conservative about spending and I kept my budgets low. I didn't hire people for as long as I possibly could. And that did serve me. I mean, I was like, I was and still am a cash flow positive business. And that to me has always felt really good. And it's always been surprising to other business owners to learn that I've, you know, I've never had any debt on the business. That being said, I could have moved so much faster if I had invested in certain things, if I had invested in people. So it's it's one of those things that you just don't know until you know. And, you know, in hindsight, there's no way I could have gone back and said, okay, I'm going to spend now on this president that I just brought on this year because I, I didn't really have the funds to do those things. And you also need to learn a lot before you invest in people. So it's things that I've learned over the years that if I had known then, I may not have been able to put into action. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you shared that. And it's something we we think about all of the time because it is so important to invest in your business and invest in yourself. And I find a lot of the time and especially, and I see it so so much with women too, it's like we're scared to spend the money. And it's like, as long as we know it's the right thing to spend on and you know it's gonna help take the business to the next level, like let's spend the money so we can get there to build a business that we wanna build. But it's about having that plan initially and then feeling confident like, all right, if I put in a dollar, it's gonna make me $3. If I put in a dollar, it's gonna make me $10. But like you said, a lot of the times, you know, when you're just starting, you don't know all of these things. And that's why I love having these conversations with founders like you, because now, you know, our entrepreneurs who are listening to this, who might be in a similar position where they're thinking, do I hire this president right now who can help bring the business to the next level? Or do I keep trying to do everything myself and keeping everything status quo? It's like, if you can find the right people to invest in and you have the money to do it and it can take your business to the next level, like, do it and talk to other people like you who have done it to share their learnings. Yeah. And I, you know, I think with people, you really need to know what you're looking for before you hire people because hiring an art director, but not really having a clear idea of what you want them to execute is not going to end well. You'll find yourself frustrated because you aren't getting what you want, but maybe you don't know what you want and you sort of have to build out what that looks like. So I think that too is something that takes time and that you can't just 
you know, start a business and hire a bunch of people because you don't necessarily know what you need yet. I do think though, I could have jumped on certain things sooner and who knows where I would have landed. Maybe I would be right here in the same seat I am, but certainly I think my sanity would be in a different (laughs) place if I had people to support sooner. Look, there's something to be said for being, you know, super scrappy and figuring things out. And I also always say like, you have to know enough that you can bring on the right people to be able to delegate those roles to them and know that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Like, you don't want to know absolutely nothing. Bring on people that are better than how we could do it. But you have to know a little bit to make sure you're bringing on the right people. So trying to do some of those things first, and then realizing like, where's your time best spent? And can you bring someone? on to do it more efficiently and effectively. But yeah, all all the learnings. (laughs) I think that's a real ego thing too, is, you know, initially I, I was scared to hire anybody who knew more than I did because it's my company and I felt like I should be the expert at everything. And so really I spent 10 years trying to be the expert at everything, trying to be a marketing expert, a design expert, an HR expert, a finance expert. And the truth is that you cannot be good at everything. And so one of the things I learned earlier on was that I was not good at the finances and I was going to end up in trouble if I didn't get someone in place who really knew what we were doing. And, uh, you know, I'm just not financially inclined. So I just saw that we were making money and I felt good about it. And I knew I wasn't spending all that much, but I wasn't accounting for taxes and all of those things. So I needed that partner to come in and take care of the day-to-day bookkeeping and making sure that at the end of the year, everything was aligning. So I think identifying your weaknesses is a really important piece of being a business owner. And at the very least, you know, if you can identify the one thing that you really don't enjoy or that you're not good at, that's the first hire that you make. Maybe it's not the one that you need the most, but you probably do need it the most. Absolutely. And now there's so many resources out there for fractional people as well, like incredible fractional CFOs and COOs. So I love that advice. How long did it take you to realize, did you say, it's time for me to bring on some people who might be better at some things than me? I don't want to discredit the team that I've had for 10 years because they have been on this journey with me and they have supported my vision and helped me bring it to life. But the truth is that I think really only in this year with the support of my new brand president, this is the first time that I feel like I have a clear vision of what I want from my people and that expectations are being laid out for them so that they really know what to execute on. And that's also something that, you know, you either, you can learn it, but you're either a good manager or you're not, or you you can try to be a better manager that's not one of my skill sets. And I don't think I realized that until this year when I saw a true manager and director in place who was doing her job so well. And I said, oh, like, that's what I was supposed to be doing all these years. So, you know, I think most of this I can kind of put on myself and say that I just wasn't really directing in the way that I was supposed to be. And now that I know what it's supposed to look like, we can hire people in that way because now I know how to direct. That's amazing. So it all it takes is just that, yep. And that's what it is, you know, being a founder, it's just continuing to learn and realizing 
there's new things to learn literally every single day. And as long as you're open to learning and connecting with people, like the sky's the limit of, of what you can build a business to be. So I want to hear all about your marketing strategy and how you built your brand. You are so well known, obviously, as you know, because you've built a business on Instagram and through social media have had so much success with viral content and influencer partnerships. But I want to go like all the way back to like, how did that begin? And how did you evolve that strategy over time? Because Instagram, social media, everything has changed and evolved tremendously over the past decade. So I started in 2013. This was when Instagram was really just starting to be a platform that people used for businesses. So I feel really lucky that the timing aligned with when I was trying to build a business because it was a free marketing platform to reach thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. And I really got to ride the wave for the first eight years of the business. That was truly the only form of marketing that we had to do. And there was no real clear marketing strategy for me. It was really, the goal was put out as much content as I can, educate the consumer so that they felt that they, first of all, understood what I was talking about. And second of all, felt they could trust me as an expert in my space and to sell a lifestyle that people wanted to be a part of, this aspirational lifestyle of living colorfully and indulging in things that make you happy. And, you know, more is more sometimes is okay. And a lot of feedback I got during COVID was that this was sort of like a bright spot in people's day to come on Instagram and see colorful content and sparkly diamonds and things that took them out of their day to day and made them think about happy things. And so the fact that I could provide that for people made me feel really good. And it ties back to everything we do with the product. You know, we get to be a part of people's special moments in their lives, whether it's an engagement or just a birthday gift or even a self-purchase to celebrate the fact that you have you know, completed a course or whatever that may be, jewelry does tie to these moments in life. And so to bring that full circle through social media, I, I think it was just a really wonderful way to start to build a community. And that's what we did. And it was all very organic for a very long time. And still, you know, I'm the person answering DMs. I'm helping to create at least 50% of the content that you're seeing, if not more, that's the one piece of the business that I feel the most connected to because it really did help make this thing a thing. And so I I won't lie, like there wasn't a clear strategy. It was just see what's working and keep doing that and try new things. And if it doesn't work, pivot. And that's been my strategy for the business from day one is just be flexible and adapt to what your customer wants because the greatest benefit of social media is that instant response from the client. So they're going to tell you if they like something or they don't, and you just have to give them what they like. So it was a really exciting way to build a business. And it's been interesting to watch over the last few years as that's changed. And, you know, now you do need a clear marketing strategy. You do need a marketing director and support from PR because, Instagram is not going to drive a business, build a business the way that it could 10 years ago. 
No, absolutely. And I want you to give yourself a little more credit than saying you didn't have a strategy because Instagram was your strategy and you were being strategic using it by listening to your customer and seeing what worked and didn't work. Like that is a strategy. Maybe you didn't go off and and start testing other platforms and that's okay. And now you're seeing, as we're all seeing, right? You can build your initial business on Instagram, but to build a giant scalable business, you can't just be dependent on on one platform because, I mean, how did you feel on times when like there's Instagram outages and Instagram's out? Did you like... (laughs) It sort of feels like I've lost a lifeline and it's scary. And you know, as much as we try and diversify and try TikTok and try threads and all these other things, jewelry is such a visual medium that really we need a platform that provides, you know, the the space to be visual. And I think that's one of the things I love about it so much is that I love to curate a photo. I love photography. I love merchandising the product in a way that makes it feel accessible And that word accessibility has been a huge part of our strategy Mm -hmm. is that we want people to feel that even though we're showing a 50 carat pear shape at Sotheby's, there is a version for them that they can find and own. And, you know, that there's price points from $100 up to $150,000 that there's, if you want to be a part of the SG lifestyle, there is something for you to buy into. I think that's such an incredible strategy because a lot of jewelry brands, you're like just at this, you know, high ticket price point that's aspirational for a lot of people, but not necessarily attainable. But when you're able to, you know, cater to really every type of customer, your revenue potential to grow your business is, you know, a lot bigger. Yeah. I mean, you look at luxury brands now and their number one goal is how do we reach Gen Z? How do we make them our next shopper? And the truth is that by starting a business on Instagram, I was reaching them immediately and now kind of feeding them more by having a price point that's accessible to them so that when they graduate, when they get their first job, when they get married and then have children, we're in the back of their minds because they bought their first piece of jewelry from us or their mom gave it to them for their 16th birthday or whatever that looks like for them. You know, jewelry for me has always been reflective of the stage of life that I'm in. So when I started this business, I was 25. And so it was about dainty pavé and things I could wear every day to the office and maybe a statement earring that I was wearing to my friend's weddings. And that's what I was selling. And now I'm 36. And so there's different phases of life. I have two children that I'm, that I celebrate and I, you know, just celebrated a 10 year anniversary with my husband. So I want the jewelry to graduate with us, but I never want to leave behind the girl who started with us and maybe isn't necessarily at the next phase of her life. Absolutely. Talk to me about building the business brand and also your personal brand because the name of your business is your name. You're tied to the brand itself. How have you you know, incorporated yourself as the face of the brand to help grow the business? So that's been interesting too. And that's something as we look at this next decade that we want to be more strategic about, you know, how do we separate the brand from the girl? Because right now we're very much one in the same. And I do think for someone new who comes to our brand and maybe isn't social media savvy and hasn't been along for the 10 year journey, they don't know who I am. 
And they may not care who I am. They may just really love the necklace. So I want that woman to have a place to just see the beautiful necklace and not be distracted by me posting my kids on their way to camp and all of the other things that I'm doing on a day-to-day. That being said, the powerful piece of being a brand and a name is that, you know, essentially you're your own influencer. So if I can build up my own personal brand, I can then also influence people to buy the product. And that's what really worked was that 10 years ago, there was really nobody else doing that, especially in the jewelry space. So, you know, I will give myself credit that I was definitely in that first wave of jewelry influencers. That's what's helped me get to this level was that if I was wearing a piece, that's what people wanted to buy. And that continues to be, you know, the way that we sell. So now, of course, we diversify and there's other platforms to reach people and newsletter is important and digital ads are important. But Stephanie Gottlieb, the person, was a big piece of building the brand. Talk to me about how you've included and worked with other influencers to help amplify the brand over the years and what's worked well for you and maybe things that haven't worked. So very early on, I figured out that influencers were a thing, like this was going to drive business. And one of my close friends at the time was a big influencer in the fashion space. And anytime I would loan her jewelry for an event or if she, you know, bought something, it would sell immediately. We saw it, you know, come through the website in that moment. And so that phenomenon was real and it, it worked. And so not only did that make me want to lean into the influencer direction for myself, because I saw the power that the influencer could have on a business, but it made me want to discover others who were like-minded, who had an audience that would resonate with or for whom the jewelry would resonate, who potentially had the spending power, and if not, had future spending power, and who were in adjacent spaces. So I wasn't going after a food blogger, but I was going after the fashion blogger or someone in beauty whose face was up close to a screen all the time. And I think in the early days, a lot of us were still exploring our power as an influencer. So there was a lot more of that barter and partnership and wanting to uplift others by sort of collaborating. You show me and I show you. There was a lot of that in the beginning. And I think it's coming back full circle. I know in in particular, I have a lot of personal friends who have started businesses. And for all of us, we are very much about supporting each other's businesses on social. And I think that's where like the word influencer gets interesting because really we are all influencers in our own circles. It's really just about how magnified social media makes that. Um, But I think originally it was, you know, reaching out to certain people to loan jewelry for fashion week, or do you want to come try on X, Y, and Z for content? Because content has always been key to being a success on social. Um, And those, you know, those things helped me build relationships with influencers who then when they were ready to buy something, they came back to me. And at the end of the day, it's not about growing the following. It's about growing the business. The followers convert to business. So all of that really worked hand in hand. 
How have you seen the influencer strategies change over the past couple of years? Are you doing things differently now? It's changed because the space is so much more saturated. Mm -hmm. And there was a time when, and I think COVID was a big piece of this, that people just sort of got sick of seeing the same thing over and over. And they felt like even if it didn't say hashtag ad, it kind of felt like it was an ad. And I felt that way too in my own kind of influencer world that, you know, I was accepting product or taking paid partnerships for things that didn't really feel all that organic. Mm -hmm. And that's when it all goes wrong. If it doesn't feel organic to the customer and to the follower, then nobody's buying it. So I dialed back personally and focused on things that really made sense for my business or that really excited me on a personal level. And I think other influencers did the same thing. You know, what's tricky about jewelry is that the value of our product is really high. So I can't gift 30 people a diamond bangle in the same way that a bathing suit company can send out hundreds of samples and not really worry about that hitting the P&L. You know, they're a couple of dollars a piece versus a couple thousand dollars. So we got really strategic with who we work with. And I would say right now we don't have a true program for influencer we are focusing on working with influencers who genuinely love and engage with our product. People who wear the product, who tag it when they are wearing it, who you know give back to the brand and who always think of us for big gifting moments because those are the girls that we really want mm-hmm. to be ambassadors for our brand because they it's organic to them and we don't have to feed them content. They're producing they- it naturally. Absolutely. Do you pay influencers that you work with or is it still mostly like gift or product exchange or loaning? Yeah, we've never paid an influencer. I would love to find someone to be a partner and co-design jewelry together and have someone's face be on the branding of product or a product collection, but it really needs to be the right woman. Yeah. Do you have a dream woman in mind that you would want to partner with? Not in this moment. I mean, you know, certainly like there are the Lily Collins of the world who I, you know, I'm not sure we'll ever be able to touch, but there are definitely like fashion icons who I look to and I say like, oh, I want that girl in Stephanie Gottlieb. Mm-hmm. And I have a short list of those, but I think it's a really intimate thing to do a partnership with a brand when you're doing it in a big scale in a big way. And so I would want to make sure it's someone who I can really align with on our values, on our aesthetic, and just, you know, the way that they like to operate. Aside from using Instagram to grow and and market the business, are there other, you know, marketing channels that you have found that have worked for you, whether that's email, newsletter, in-person events, uh, other things that have moved the needle or that you're focusing on now? I think it's all really cyclical. So, you know, in the beginning of the business, I really started by doing trunk shows. That's how I got my name out there. And I kind of busted my butt a lot, you know, schlepping things to Connecticut and Westchester and Long Island and any and every opportunity. I just said yes, because I needed to grow the customer base beyond my own network. And then I fully burnt out from doing that. 
And at that time, I didn't have a team big enough to not be a part of every detail planning and getting there and executing. Now we're back there. I mean, post-COVID, people are excited to attend events and see Mm -hmm. people in person. And jewelry is one of those things that you do really want to try on in person. Mm -hmm. And the nature of our business is that we produce jewelry when you order it for the most part. So I don't have a full inventory that you can come in on any Tuesday and try it on. So having the events, being able to, you know, understand what people want to see and then leaning into that for inventory buys, that's been a big part of the recent strategy, getting the people back in front of people because when they see it, they love it and then they want it. And seeing it on a screen is just not the same. So yes, trunk shows have been a big part of our strategy. Newsletter is also a big part of the strategy. And that's where we have used influencer or kind of brand partnerships to help build the newsletter list by Mm -hmm. sharing lists with other brands. And, you know, more recently, digital ad spend has become a bigger part of the strategy, Mm -hmm. but I'm so far removed from that. I don't understand a thing. So thank gosh, I have experts in that space to run that for me because they they tell me I'm making money and I just say, great, you know, keep doing <laughs> what you're doing, but I don't really know how to direct there. And again, that kind of speaks to making sure that you hire people for the things you don't understand. You need Absolutely. someone to advocate for you. Yes. Know enough that you make sure that they're making you the money (laughs) and not spending more than they're making you. But uh, yes, definitely hire the experts to, to focus on those so you can focus on the things that you enjoy doing. Up next, Stephanie shares her best practices when working with influencers. Stephanie, how big is your team now? So we're floating around 20 up and down, but that's kind of where I want to land. I think Mm -hmm. we just moved into a new office space, which I'm very excited about because we were outgrowing it for quite some time. And I think there's nothing worse than being cramped in a space. It really does kind of cramp your style and cramp your creativity. And I'm just so excited that everyone has space and Mm -hmm. light and, um, you know, it's more conducive to meetings and, I'm so excited to get back to the office in the fall. Right now, I'm not currently there. So it's an exciting chapter for us. This is our second decade, new, bigger space. And I don't think we need to grow the team all that much. There are definitely, you know, a handful of roles that I would love to fill in the next two years. But prioritizing Mm -hmm. marketing and customer acquisition right now. Mm -hmm. As you've grown the team, are there certain business tools or softwares or solutions that you've used that have really helped you scale and optimize the business and team? So I think having some sort of database for image, you know, storing and sharing is really important. We currently use Dropbox, which is not ideal. And we're looking into others because I think, you know, having an archive when you're a content business is really important to be able to access all of that. Um, we use something called Front, which is my favorite tool. It's an Ooh, what is it? It's just an inbox platform, but it allows you to have side conversations internally with the team on a thread. So if something comes in, somebody can ask someone else a question or tag them in something for visibility. So I love that because, you know, if If there's a customer service question about something I posted or, you know, a ring sold, like people can communicate in that way and keep it all in one place. I really love that. 
Um, we started using NetSuite, which is an ERP. It's a little bit clunky, but it definitely does what it's supposed to do. You know, that kind of just helps us run the day-to-day of business and production. And we're looking into better CRM tools because I think that's also a really important piece for marketing is understanding who your customer is. Definitely. Are you on Shopify? We're Yes, we're on Shopify. Shopify. That's like, that seems to be like a... Everyone's on Shopify, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't even think about it. But yes, Shopify is an amazing platform. Yeah. What I will say that I learned, and this comes back to the not spending, was with website upgrades, I did little things each year. Mm-hmm. And I probably ended up spending more than I would have if I had just gone all out and done the full-blown web development project at once. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there are pros and cons to doing it each way. And things do change quickly. So, you know, had I done it all out, I probably would have had to redo it anyway. It feels like a never ending project, kind of like when you renovate your house and then five minutes later, you're ready to do something else. There's just always something. And the truth is when you're an e-com business, you should be putting money back into Mm -hmm. that business, right? So the website does always need some love. But I think I did things sort of backwards and I didn't use Shopify to its fullest potential. And Shopify is an amazing platform. I guess my advice would be to utilize the people who work for your platform. So, mm-hmm. you know, have someone at Meta who can advocate for you and tell you when things change. Have someone at Shopify who gives you the weekly or bi-weekly reports of what's coming in the pipeline, new apps or new updates, things like that, because then you're not surprised when things happen, you know about it ahead of time and you can plan into it. Definitely. That is such great advice. At Socialfly with our clients, we're always updating them on everything that's coming down the pipeline, what's happening, because you need to plan for these things. Right. And it's definitely... And don't delete those emails. You know, how easy is it to be like, oh, another update email, you <laughs> delete. But no, those are really helpful to understand what's coming your way. Yeah. And a lot of the social platforms will look for businesses that are interested in being beta testers for, you know, new ads that they're testing. So jumping in there and yes, reading those emails is is definitely important for sure. How do you prioritize all of the different projects that you have going on or want to focus on in the future? Do you have a framework that you use to figure out what should you be focusing on? I am working on getting better at this. And I actually just started working with an executive coach to help me better prioritize my time because I feel like when you are doing so many things, you know, things are going to slip through the cracks. It's inevitable. And one thing she said that really resonated with me was that you need to stay in your creative genius. So once you start doing things outside of that bubble, you're not being as efficient as you can be. So if that means that on Tuesdays, your entire day is door closed, do not bother me, I am just focusing on design, do that. And, you know, don't get pulled into things that you don't need to be involved in. So I'm really working towards that. It's much easier said than done. But I think keeping lists, for me, it's very visual. So in my new office, I'm going to have a huge cork board. The entire wall will just have imagery, inspiration, and scheduling, and words that keep me on track because I need to see it. I have so many decks that are pinned at the top of my browser right now that I look at every single day, but I need to see it all in one place. So 
figuring out kind of how you work best and keeping yourself on track, whether that's, you know, a notebook that you're coming back and crossing things off, which is what I used to do, but felt like things are getting lost or like a hundred lists that just sit on my desk in a pile, but I'm someone who needs to see it all. So that's how I keep myself organized. My team uses Monday, which they love. I could never get into it. Just felt like one more clunky tool I had to figure out. So I let them do that. And then they, they let me know if I need to check in. (laughs) Coming up, you'll hear what it's really like to work with celebrities. It's so interesting you say that because like with project management tools like Monday, there's we had tested using Asana. We're now on ClickUp. And I think it's like a founder thing and especially like a visionary creative founder where I personally like I can't get into the (laughs) I can't get into the project management software for me. But our team like you need your team to be able to to use it because that's how everything has to operationally run on the back end. But my brain just doesn't work that way to be like. I'm like you, you know, we're doing 10 different things at the same time and going from one thing to the next. And I can't be updating stuff. And I've just, I just have learned I to accept that. And it's okay, as long as everyone else is using it. Yeah. And I think part of that, you know, being a founder is being able to say to your team, listen, Monday is great for you. It doesn't work for me. This is what works for me. I need a weekly email recap of what's going on or Let's set a meeting once a week, once a month, whatever that is. But being able to communicate what the effective communication style is for yourself is really valuable. You know, there are times when people will be texting me and emailing me and DMing me, and it just all gets lost because it's in too many places. So figuring out what works for you best and then getting your team on board with that, I think can be very effective. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. Stephanie, what is the craziest thing that has happened to you since launching your business? So this is pretty crazy and everyone feels the same way. So I feel validated. I had the opportunity to work with Britney Spears on her wedding bands, which if you could name five people off the top of your head that everybody on the planet knows their name, I think Britney Spears is one of them. So that was a pretty incredible moment for me There was massive visibility after that and a huge influx of new customers and just eyes on our business. I can't say all that much about the experience, except that it was one of a kind and pretty crazy. (laughs) That, That is crazy. You're talking to someone who, like growing up, I was the biggest Britney Spears fan, doing all the dances, all the routines, coming home to watch TRL for the new video drops. I mean, we're close to the same age, probably, yeah. probably you see. We were like Any, all... Anyone who grew up in the 90s oh, yeah. had to love Britney Spears. So it was, yes. a, it was a real like, aha, kind of pinch me moment. Like you have made it. How did she reach out? Like, how did it happen? It happened through our PR team. You know, they have the best relationships on the ground with stylists and, you know, celebrity team managers. And and those relationships can go very far, which I think is why PR is so important. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily for the old school, you know, magazine placements, but for the relationship building. So we were connected through the PR team and we kind of ran with it from there. That's amazing. Like, had she reached out like she wanted to work with you on her wedding band or they were reaching out to her team? 
I think they reached out and said that Stephanie Gottlieb is one of the brands she's considering working with and let's have a conversation. And it happened really quickly. Wow. And we made magic happen. And I flew out to LA and delivered the bands the day before the wedding. And it was, you know, it was thrilling. That's so amazing. Was she already following you on Instagram? I don't remember. Probably not. I don't know if she was all that active before her wedding. I feel like in the last year, she's become more active. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally. Oh my gosh, I'm dying. I know. I wish you could share like all of the details, but this is this is still really juicy, really juicy. And this is where uh, the NDA comes into play. So yeah, tell me about that. So when you're running a business like this, I'm sure you work with celebrities all of the time. Is this the first time you've had to, you know, sign NDAs or do these things come up often when you work with celebrities? No, you know, we have people sign NDAs all the time. Whenever you're sharing anything private about your business that you wouldn't want the public to know, even within the business, you know, our, our employees sign an NDA because you want to keep certain things internal. So no, it wasn't the first time I had to sign an NDA. It's probably the strongest NDA I've signed, but I understand and I respect that people want to keep things private. And so, you know, that's something you have to keep in mind when you're working with a certain level of celebrity. They may not want all of this documented and shared on social media. And so you have this amazing moment and you're probably going to get great press from it, but you're not going to get the content that you would get from someone who's okay with that exposure. And that's just kind of one of those things that you you go in knowing when you're working with a celebrity. Stephanie, what is your biggest business secret after 10 years in business? Tell us your secret. You know, I don't think it's a secret. I think what I have really come to realize is that you will never stop learning. And if you do, it's time to move on to something else because there's always more to learn. There are always ways to get better. And even if that's just improving yourself at the personal level, if you're not constantly evolving and changing and growing, then you're doing something wrong. So for me, being adaptable, being willing and open to feedback, you know, being able to take that in and, and make good out of it is really important. And just being nimble. What is next for you for the Stephanie Gottlieb brand? Well, this is our 10 year anniversary, which is not all that exciting, except that I consider this kind of the start of our next chapter. So for me, that's very exciting. And having a true commercial partner in my brand president has been life-changing over the last six months to really feel like I have the business support to help me grow. And that includes putting the right people in place, building out the right product selection, and then figuring out customer acquisition. Mm -hmm. So on a personal level, you know, for me, it's, taking a step back from some of the more menial tasks that I was involved in and really allowing my team to own their responsibilities. And then I'm focusing right now on design and I'm really excited about what I'm working on. It's definitely a new chapter of Stephanie Gottlieb from an aesthetic perspective. It's a little bit more grown up and elevated. So I'm excited to see what the response looks like. And, you know, I, For the next 10 years, we have this new opportunity to sort of do like a soft rebrand and to introduce the brand to a whole new audience that doesn't know about us as an Instagram brand. So that's what I'm most excited about is really carving out a new niche 
and yeah, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, I am so excited for you and I can't wait to follow along and see all of the new updates and changes and definitely want to welcome you into our Entrepreneurista community because I know our community of members will be so excited too for those who may not have followed you over the past 10 years and can learn about you now and and be part of that journey and story as well. Stephanie, thank you so, so much for spending the afternoon sharing all of your learnings. I can't wait to see everything that happens. My last question for you is what does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? To me, it means being nimble, being able to take that feedback, being able to pay it forward, building a community of like-minded business people who can help support you in your own vision and whom you can help support with your experience. And to you know, just be constantly open to change. That's really, for me, what it's all about. Absolutely. Stephanie, thank you again. Where can everyone find you and follow you? And for those that are interested in buying your beautiful jewelry, where should they head to to do so? Thank you. So we're on Instagram at Stephanie Gottlieb. And you can find our website, www.stephaniegottlieb.com. And if you're in the Hamptons, we're out here this summer and then back in the city in the fall, we're on 45th and 5th by appointment. So you can always reach out to our team to schedule an appointment or chat about your jewels. Amazing. Well, we will link out to everything in the show notes. So for our listeners, just go tap on the show notes right now and you can click right through to Stephanie's website and Instagram and go give her a follow too for some beautiful, colorful jewels in your feed every day. Thank you again, Stephanie. I'm Stephanie too. And this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead. Mm